Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Clever Girls Know podcast. This is Bola Shokumbi. I'm the founder and CEO of Clever Girl Finance. The Clever Girls Know podcast is a podcast for women, offering a space for conversations around personal finance, business, life, and living. I'd love for you to subscribe to this podcast, and you can do that everywhere you listen to your podcast episodes. And if you love what you listen to, head on over to iTunes and leave a review so that other amazing women just like you can find this podcast as well. I'd also love for you to stop by clevergirlfinance.com. We have new content on the blog multiple times a week. We have over 30 plus free courses. Plus, when you sign up for a course, you can talk to a Clever Girl Finance mentor for free to get encouragement, motivation, or if you just want to have an open, no shame, no judgment girl talk. Finally, check out our YouTube channel. Just search Clever Girl Finance on YouTube. And if you don't already follow us on Instagram, you can find us at Clever Girl Finance. Okay, so let's get into today's episode. Hi, Mabel. Hey, Bola. So excited to be here with you. How's it going? I'm excited to have you on yes. the podcast. Welcome. Thank you. Finally, we get together in this. I'm so excited. So thank you so I much. I know. <laughs> and we just met in person a few weeks ago. It was so nice to meet you and to get to know more. So I'm excited to have you on here to talk about being a first generation investor. Mm-hmm. But before we dive in, tell us who you are and what you do. Awesome. So my name is Mabel or Mabel in Spanish. I am the founder of Girls on the Money. So my platform, the focus and our mission is to teach stock market investing to women, minorities, or just people that aren't exposed to investing from a young age or in general in their lives. So my goal is to just make investing so simple and so straightforward that people get excited and motivated and actually take action. So that is just like the whole mission of my Girls in the Money company. And I love that empowering women, girls, and just anyone mm-hmm. in that space of wanting to do better with money. So you mm-hmm. discovered investing in the stock market for the mm-hmm. first time during the fall of 2004. Mm-hmm. And you said the rush is history. <laughs> yes. Or about how you stumbled upon this discovery in 2004. <laughs> Tell us about this. Okay, so I'm definitely going to age myself right now. So 2004 was my senior year of college and I took a finance class. And for the first time, I was introduced to the world of investing through my finance professor because the class was specifically about researching stocks and selecting stocks and things like that. Even though like over the years, I heard that people get exposed to that in high school. And honestly, I was not one of those people. It wasn't until my senior year of college that I took a class like that. And I was so impressed by the fact that Anybody with some money on the side could become a part owner of these big businesses like, you know, mm-hmm. an Apple or a Starbucks or a Nike, whatever. So I was very impressed with that. I became obsessed with investing at that after that class. It just took one class and I started to like read books about it, listen to AM radio, because back in the days there was no podcast, at least that I knew of about investing and just getting anything that I could get my hands on when it came to learning to invest. I was doing it right after that class. But it wasn't until a few years later that I started to take action with investing just because I was still very hesitant 
with like taking action in the actual process of it. I mean, we can definitely talk a little bit about that. But yeah, so that was just like my wake up call that this world existed and I wanted to be part of it. That's so cool. And to make mm-hmm. you feel better, I was mm-hmm. also a senior in college in 2004. Oh, also, all right. So we're Although just I'm, I'm sure I'm older than you because I took a year off. So. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. Well, we're so don't worry. I got part. you on the age thing. Yeah. We're in the same bracket then. So that's good. Yes, millennials. <laughs> yeah, basically. Exactly. We're right there. So yeah, that's what I was doing back in those days. You know, well, a lot of your audience was probably like in high school or maybe elementary school or who knows. But it's all good. I think, you yeah. know, we have a broad audience. So mm-hmm. there's women who are listening who are in retirement, mm-hmm. who are approaching retirement, who are the same age as us, who are younger than oh. us. I've heard that okay. a few high schoolers listen to this podcast. So mm-hmm. this is okay. relevant learning information for everyone. Awesome. Um, it's yes. always fun to, to put timelines, yeah. like to do a throwback, right? <laughs> I know, exactly. Like, oh my God. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's been so long. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so you got really excited about you got that exposure to seeing that you could become a part owner in a company and then you started investing, right? And mm-hmm. over the years as you have invested in the stock market, did you have any fears of investing and how did mm-hmm. you overcome your fears? Because for people who are new to investing, or even people who have been investing for a long time because mm-hmm. let's say they just put money in their 401k and they just, you know, they do mm-hmm. what they have the, the investments going. They mm-hmm. don't do beyond that because they have this fear of I don't know what's happening in the market. The news is scaring me, but I'm just going to put this 401k money there because mm-hmm. I can get a match and it's easy. So for you, mm-hmm. as you started to invest, how did you manage fear and how did you overcome any fears you might have had? Yeah, I love this question because I can definitely relate to that. So like I said, yeah, I, I discovered investing in 04 and then I didn't buy my first stock or my first investment until 2008, which, you know, that was a whole nother story. Mm-hmm. But because of that reason, because of that fear that I had about, okay, like I love investing. I can see that you can build wealth through investing. But first of all, I didn't really understand how to do it on my own. And even though I graduated or I, I was a finance major in college, and a lot of people that went to college can relate to this, like what you learn in school doesn't really translate to real life, like almost never. So even though I had, you know, yeah, right. Like everything that I learned, like didn't teach me anything about like, you know, doing my analysis or being a good investor or whatever. So even though I had this degree, I was still clueless about like, how do you pick an investment account? How do you select investments or whatever? So I was still very scared about that world. So I can definitely relate to people that are on the sidelines because of fear. And that mostly comes because you don't really understand the basic steps or the, mm-hmm. you know, the technical side of it. So Honestly, it wasn't until somebody from my job at that time in 2008 that by the, you know, the law of the universe or God, I don't know how that happened, but they sat him next to me. He was one of my coworkers. And back in those days, as I do today, if I could talk to anybody about stocks and investing, like that's going to be the first topic of conversation, even if I feel that you know nothing about it. So I started to talk to him about it and he was like, yeah, I've been investing for a while now. Like if you want, I'll, I'll teach you. So he kind of showed me like, what investment account he was using and how to take those first steps, like how to you know, do some quick analysis before I buy anything. And it wasn't until that person like walked me through the basics, like the beginning process of it, that I was like, okay, this looks like it can be done. I could, you know, I saw what he was doing with my own eyes. And then I decided to take action. So the only way I got over that fear that I had for like those three years before I started investing was by finally putting some money in that, opening the account, putting some money in there, 
I didn't start with a lot. I think my first deposit ever was like $500 or something like that. And in this day and age, you can start with even less. And then I bought some stocks that I liked. And then that was it. Like after I took that first step, that kind of eliminated most of my fear because a lot of my hesitation was because I had never seen it with my own eyes. Like, what does an investment account look like? Like, what do you click on when you're inside there? Like, how do you select certain things? Mm-hmm. So it, was, it wasn't until I took action that things started to click and make sense. And then, you know, thankfully I was able to take it from there. That's great. And it's, I, I think it was just, you know, that also that motivation from that coworker who sat next mm-hmm. to you. Was like, let me show you. Sometimes mm-hmm. you just someone else to give you that confidence mm-hmm. to take the action or that boost or that reminder to take the action. Exactly. Um, so I love that you got started and you started with $500, which, you know, you can start with much less. I know you can open mm-hmm. broker accounts now with like $1 or invest $5. Mm-hmm. There are sites that let you invest fractionally. And mm-hmm. you said the biggest thing is just not having that knowledge, not having that insight, right? Not mm-hmm. having that understanding. So how did you start to, I know your coworker showed you like, okay, some tips, mm-hmm. but how did you start to build that investing confidence? How did you start to learn? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So back in those days, like, you know, obviously my coworker had to teach me, I had nobody in my family. And that goes back to our topic of today, like first generation investor, first time mm-hmm. you know, investor. I had nobody in my circle of friends or family or nobody that I knew that was investing. So it took that person to kind of show me the ropes. Um, so I kind of like on my own had to like search resources and books and like people that I felt were credible to learn from, which I feel is so important when you first start your investing journey, like getting educated, learning from people that you can trust, that you feel are telling you how things are, that aren't trying to like scam you and things like that. So I kind of found, like I said, some books that I was reading. There was this AM radio host <laughs> that it was actually the investing show was actually in Spanish and I still follow her to this day because she's still doing like those type of things to in, even up to today. But back in like 2007, 2006, I was listening to her and like kind of learning from her and things like that. And then my coworker as well. So I was just taking like those very small steps. And then when I first started to invest, I made sure that my first stock or my first investment was a company that I felt would be around for decades. You know, one of those like companies that had like a strong foundation just because that built my confidence. I didn't, I was never the type to say, I want to buy, you know, all these penny stocks. I want to be rich overnight. I want to make all this quick money. That was never my mentality with investing. Like I kind of, for some reason, I don't know why <laughs> I understood that investing is to build wealth for the long term. So I wanted to pick, um, stocks, for example, when I first started that I felt, okay, this company is probably going to be around for many, many years. Let me start with that. And when I saw that my investment went up, you know, fairly quickly, at least when I started, but there's a story behind that because the market crash came soon after. 2007, Um, 8, yeah. (laughs) 2008, yeah. So when I saw that my investment had grown so quickly, like, oh my God, I bought it like a week ago and I'm already making like $20. Like, and I haven't done anything. (laughs) Yeah, I (laughs) I was like so excited because... When I was looking at my savings account, I wasn't making anything. Like they'll send me an email like, oh, hey, we deposited 10 cents for on your savings. Like, you know, you know how, ex- yeah. So I was like, I was comparing the two. I'm like, how is this possible? Like I'm making like, God knows how like 500% more of my investments than I just started or whatever. So that built my confidence, to be honest, from the very beginning, because I made sure, and this is something that I feel is important. When you first start investing, make sure that you're where you're putting your money is things of quality that you feel, you know, companies that have a strong foundation that you feel are going to be around for many years. 
And even if the market goes through fluctuations or, you know, crashes or whatever, like it happened to me in 2008 and it's happening now in 2022, mm-hmm. at least you still have that confidence. Like, okay, I know the stock is down or my funds are down, but I know it has nothing to do with the investments. It's more because of the economies going to a rough period or whatever, like more outside factors. So that's kind of like how I was able to stay calm in 2008. Because like I said, I started investing in the summertime of that year. And then fast forward at three, like three months later in like September, October, that's when everything like crashed. So including my investments. But I wasn't really scared because of that, because I was like, okay, this is a good company. I have nothing to worry about. Whatever's happening in the market has nothing to do with this company or this investment. So I can just leave it alone and then look for other opportunities. So that's what I would say to that. And, you know, you said some stuff that is just really, really, when someone says, oh, it's hard for me to learn how to invest. You said you asked somebody, someone that you trusted, mm-hmm. someone who had insight, which was your coworker that showed mm-hmm. you the ropes. You mm-hmm. read books, which you mm-hmm. can get at your local library. You can go on Amazon, look at mm-hmm. the best-selling investing books. Mabel, you have mm-hmm. invested books for yes. <laughs> on Amazon. Yeah. You Grow you. Your Money by Clever Girl Finance. You talked mm-hmm. about listening to a radio show, which could also be a podcast on investing. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, actually investing and learning how things work. So these are all the ways that you learn mm-hmm. how to invest. There's mm-hmm. no rocket science to it. It's not complicated. Mm-hmm. You educate mm-hmm. yourself, you inform yourself, and then you become that confident investor over time. And then you mm-hmm. invested in a company that you knew. That was your first mm-hmm. investment. So yes. these are all the gems, gems, gems that <laughs> you want to absorb as you are thinking about invest, especially if you're struggling with having the fear of the unknown, because as you educate yourself, then you have more knowledge and you minimize the unknown and you know how to take calculated risks, right? Which is based Mm -hmm. on what you know, based on facts, not fiction. Mm -hmm. So it's something that everybody can do, right? That's also how I learned investing, right? You Mm -hmm. guys all know my story of Mm -hmm. saving money and going to a financial advisor. And he asked me, well, where do you get this money? Do you have a boyfriend? Do you have a husband? Oh my God, are you serious? (laughs) He gave me money. And that's just my experience. A friend of mine went to see a financial advisor because she was trying to invest and pay off student loans. And Mm -hmm. they told her, you know, as a joke, but it wasn't funny. Mm -hmm. They were like, you know, your best option is just to marry rich. Oh my goodness. (laughs) But that is so insulting. Especially, you know, telling a woman that who's coming Mm -hmm. to you for professional advice. So, you know, we all have to learn on our own at some point. Of course, you know, this is no knock on the financial services industry. There are incredible mm-hmm. advisors out there, but you can yeah. learn this on your own. And it's mm-hmm. a great way to learn because you want to, if you choose to work with a financial advisor, you want to be able to understand what they're doing with their money and mm-hmm. have an informed conversation. So thank you for sharing those gems. So let's yes. come back to you mm-hmm. and your personal mm-hmm. background. And mm-hmm. you refer to yourself as a first generation investor because mm-hmm. No one in your family and no one in your circle of friends at the time had invested before. Tell us more about that. Yeah. So, um, yes, like I was saying, you know, I came from, I'm an immigrant first and foremost. I came, I moved here from the Dominican Republic when I was like nine years old. So I was very young and I, you know, I've been here most of my life. But my parents, you know, had no idea about the investing world. Also, like, you know, even though my dad was very good, we saved money and, he warned me about credit cards and things like that. He did teach me the foundation of personal finance, which I'm really grateful for. From a very young age, he was a very responsible person with money. And he kind of taught that to me and my sister. But then when it came to investing, that's something that I had never heard of until I was like 19, 20 years old. 
So I decided, you know, to kind of like learn on my own. Like I said, when I discovered the stock market and kind of like try to educate myself on how to do it on my own. And I had nobody to like guide me except for the people that I met along the way. But yeah, it is possible if anybody's listening to the podcast and is thinking, okay, I'm a first time, first generation. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't have anybody to rely on or to learn from. You know, there are resources out there like we just talked about just now. I would just say, look for people that you can trust and that, that you feel like credible. They're trying to like scam you and then, you know, take your money or whatever. But it is possible to do it even if you even if you don't have anybody around you that you know you feel can teach you. It doesn't have to be somebody that you know. It can be somebody that you you know meet along the way through like you know social media or TV or whatever. Just make sure that they're credible people because there's a lot of scammers yes. <laughs> out there. Yeah. So and, yeah, yeah, and you know, growing up, I also consider myself a first generation U.S. stock market investor, right? Because mm-hmm. I'm also an immigrant as a child, but then moved here in my early, I guess. 20s like 21 mm-hmm. or something but mm-hmm. in New York with my mom as a young girl but you know my parents didn't know anything about investing in the U.S. stock market and coming mm-hmm. from Nigeria the investment was not in the stock market at the time was invest in property invest in business my mom was mm-hmm. Of businesses, right? Mm-hmm. Build a home, and you know, people were used to building their homes outright, which meant that you can build a house for 15, 20 years because you build the house as you get the money to build the house. And my dad mm-hmm. did that. So those are the type of investments that they knew. They didn't know anything about 401k, about stock market. And there mm-hmm. are a lot of people from an immigrant perspective, or even people who are changing income classes, right? You come from a low income family and you are earning and you're now in that middle class bracket and you now have these freed up funds to invest. You might be mm-hmm. the first person in your family mm-hmm. uh, to invest, right? And there's many other reasons why people don't invest, especially when you think about minorities and yes, a whole other mm-hmm. podcast, but yes, it's finding definitely tapping into resources, tapping into community, tapping into like other people who have done what you are trying to do. For example, Mm -hmm. Mabel is Mm -hmm. sharing her immigrant story and knowing that it is possible, right? Mm -hmm. I think it's so important. Yeah, absolutely. And then you, I always say like, one time I got like a few years ago, I got inspired because somebody told me how, was telling me like, oh, you know, it's okay. It's so normal in my family to be in debt, to live paycheck to paycheck. You know, that's the norm in my family. Like, it doesn't have to be that way. Like, I was like, listen, like, you don't have to follow the pattern. You can break the pattern. Yes. You can be the first person in your family to have an emergency fund, the first person to pay off your credit card debt, the first person to invest. Like, you really don't have to say, oh, it's okay that I'm like this because my whole family is like this. Like, you don't have to do that. Okay, you can, yeah, you can break them all. Mindset. Absolutely. Exactly. And you I will break say them all. as minorities, as immigrants, where possible, as you are learning, Turn around mm-hmm. and teach your siblings, teach your friends, teach your parents, mm-hmm. teach the people in your community, share the resources you're getting. If you read an amazing book, give it to somebody that you know yes. that help them. Just pay it forward, right? Mm-hmm. Help other people so that not just you is moving forward, but you can bring everybody else along with you. And, you know, it's not always about giving people money. Yes, giving people money is great, but it's of no value if they don't have the financial literacy around it especially when it comes to parents giving kids money i can give my kids as much money as i want to but if i cannot teach them the value of a dollar that money is basically wasted because they're going to go blow it and do whatever they want to do because they don't understand the value of money but if i can give them that resource that education that insight even if i never leave them a dollar right exactly they Mm -hmm. have this knowledge now to make their lives incredible 
Mm-hmm. Right? Based on what they've learned, they can invest, they can save, they can give back to communities, they can do all kinds of things, start businesses because they have the education is so much power and nobody can take it away from you, right? Um, once you know it, you don't lose it. So it's important to pay it forward. Hey everyone, before we continue with this podcast episode, I'd love for you to check out the best selling Clever Girl Finance book series. There are three books in the series, and the first book is Clever Girl Finance, Ditch Debt, Save Money, and Build Real Wealth. The second book is Grow Your Money, Learn How Investing Works. And the third book is called The Side Hustle Guide, Build a Successful Side Hustle and Increase Your Income. You can also check out my fourth book called Choosing to Prosper, Triumphing Over Adversity, Breaking Out of Comfort Zones, Achieving Your Life and Money Dreams. And this book highlights my personal story to building a business of impact and challenges you as the reader to dig deep into laying out what you truly want to accomplish for yourself. I wrote each of these books to empower women just like you to achieve your goals and get to the point where you're living the life you desire on your own terms. If you love these books, be sure to tell your best girlfriends and they also make the perfect gift. These books are available everywhere books are sold and you can purchase them as ebooks, audiobooks, and also physical books. And you can also ask your local library to order them as well. Thank you so much and let's get back to the episode. So let's talk about investing mistakes and what yeah. have been some of your investing mistakes? Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> the biggest ones. And oh what did you God. learn? Yeah, so I love this question because, you know, it takes me back to, I like to see them as, as lessons. So I've always been, like when I started my investing journey, and the bulk of my portfolio has been individual stocks, even though eventually along the way I discovered ETFs and index funds, and I incorporated that into my investment portfolio because I also feel those are very important to have. And even now I tell my students to just set a foundation with index funds and ETFs before stocks. But well, a couple of my investing mistakes came from individual stocks because they are riskier. So I would say, well, my first mistake was buying a stock based on it being popular and being like a strong brand that, you know, that I understood people loved and, and people purchased, but I didn't really do my due diligence or I didn't do my research as I always do. For some reason at this time, that time around, I was like, okay, that's a good brand. I don't know if, I, if you want me to name any names of the company. I could, if that's okay. But um, it yes, was- you um, can go ahead. Yeah, it okay. was cool. So my biggest investing mistake ever came from Coach. I don't know if you guys remember the- hen- Well, they're still around, obviously. Now it's called Tapestry. They changed the whole brand. But Coach, you know, Coach back in the days, like I think it was around 2011, 2012. It was like, oh my God, you had a Coach bag. It was like, oh my God, you're so fancy or whatever. You know, it's, it might not mean the longer the case. But I was like, oh my God, like, oh, let me buy some coach stock because, you know, they're such a good brand and like they've been around for a long time and things like that. But that's where I, my research stopped. Like I didn't look into anything else. So that was a huge mistake. And I learned a lot from that because I never did that again. I always like look into financials, look into like the company strategies and stuff like that before I buy anything. So that by the time I decided to sell, because ironically, when I bought it, that's when they started to get a, a lot of competition from like, Michael Kors and other brands that were similar. So the stock crashed, like by the time I sold it, which was like maybe five years later, 
it was down like 60, 70%. Wow. So, and it was like a big investment too. And that's the thing with me too. Like I'm a very long-term investor. When I buy something, I hold on to it for a very long time. But with something like this, as you have known, first of all, I didn't do good enough research. Like I didn't look deep into the financials and all of that stuff before I bought. And then I didn't look at competition. I didn't look at a lot of the factors that I tend to look at. I just relied on the fact that it was like something that I was familiar with that I like the brand. So I always tell people, the fact that you love a company or you love a brand doesn't mean that it's going to translate into a good investment. So yes, like I love the strategy of investing in what you know. That's what I do. Like I invest in the companies, in the products that I know or the services that I know, but I do take it that step further and I do my research. I look under the hood of the company uh-huh. to make sure that it's a, a good business that's going to you know, be, you know, be profitable over time or increase my investment over time. That's a huge lesson that I learned early on. And I, you know, I never did that again. Like, okay, like, you know, I like the company, but let me look a step further and see, you know, what exactly is going on with this business before I go ahead and buy any shares. So that will be in terms of like stocks, that will be one of my biggest mistakes. And then another side of that coin is that sometimes I'm too conservative with the investments that have done really well for me. So And that's something that eventually I learned to add to my winners. So when I have investments in my portfolio that are doing really well, my strategy now is I typically add more money to those investments. A lot of people say, I'm going to add money to the struggling investments. Like that's not how I approach it. What has worked really well for me is adding money to those investments that have already been winning for me, that have been doing really well over time. But at the beginning of my investing journey, or maybe, you know, five years ago or whatever, I was, you know, very like, you know, this company is doing well. Like I bought some shares, it did well, but I was like, I stopped right there. I didn't add any more money to it. And I noticed Mm -hmm. how well it had done, but I was like, oh, like, let me just keep my money here on the side and and I'll decide later if I want to add more money. And then I like, oh my God, I lost out on so much for being so conservative. So that's another side of the coin, like the stuff that have done well, you know, maybe you know, I should have like added more money to them. And, you know, I would say those couple of things. Mm-hmm. And I love that what you said about, you know, regarding your investment in coach, which is still around. And I think they're trying to mm-hmm. recover and compete in a different angle, but mm-hmm. it's not enough to just like a brand, right? You need to take your research further because you had stopped because you liked the brand and that was enough, but that was enough for you at the time, but it's not enough okay. to look into competition. How are they performing? Right. So a lot of times we will hear things like, Invest in a company that you know, which is, yes, mm-hmm. that's a good starting point, but that investment needs to be based on research. So you like mm-hmm. Costco, right? How's, what's the yeah. general sentiment about Costco? What's being said in the news? How is their leadership? How are their performance been in the last few years? And this is all information that you can find online. You can mm-hmm. go to the company's website and look at their um, investor documents, which every publicly traded company has to provide. You know, So it's more than liking the brand. Yes, that's a good baseline but then learn additional information before you then invest. So thanks for sharing that. Yeah, yeah. You're welcome. Yeah, yeah I always look at it. As, I don't look at it. Even if I lost money, for example, with Coach, I lost thousands of dollars, like to be transparent here. But even that, I want to make a point that that never discouraged me from continuing to invest. Like my winners in my portfolio have more than made up for that loss. So that's one thing with yeah. investing. Like even if you build a portfolio and maybe, you know, the majority of your investments are winners and then you have those couple of losers, as long as you're the ones that are winning are compensating for those losers, you're good. Like, you know, nothing's ever going to be perfect. So, you know, I was okay with that loss. I sold, I moved on, I learned my lesson and I kept going. Like, don't ever let one investment discourage you from continuing to build your wealth 
and continuing to invest. Absolutely, right? You look at the big picture, the sum of it all, mm-hmm. especially when you have a diversified portfolio, they're not all going to perform equally, right? So right exactly. now in my portfolio, I have quite a sore loser. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have a fund a that is a sore loser. It's way down. I think with mm-hmm. everything going on, this mm-hmm. is in a very, very niche, 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 niche uh, pharma, pharmaceutical pharmaceutical niche, and mm-hmm. it's down like sixty five percent. And I'm like, looking at it alone, I can get annoyed, but then looking at the big picture of my portfolio, it's really just like a blip there. So exactly. I just, I'm just like, you know, what? I'm just gonna leave this alone. I really don't have anything to do with it right now. <laughs> Exactly. And but then you have to I keep haven't going. really lost until I sell. <laughs> exactly. That's the, exactly. Unless we can realize you're good. And also, like, yeah, like you said, like it's been a tough year overall in the markets anyway. So that don't is check your accounts, ladies. It's gonna Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Don't look. Yeah, there's no point of looking at your portfolio <laughs> unless you're trying to buy something. Yeah. Otherwise, like keep it moving. Because everything is right, right? Stress you don't need. Just yeah. buy more. Buy more. Look yeah. later. Exactly. That's exactly what it is. Don't even look. There's no point at all. Like we'll check, check in January. <laughs> yeah, maybe January. Like might be a better time. Exactly. <laughs> but right, this year has been a disaster. Like for everyone that's in the market. So if you're on that boat, we're all in this together. So. <laughs> so you shared some of your, I guess, mistakes, but what have been some of your wins on your investment journey? What are the things that you're just super proud about? So I would say, I would say the majority of my investment that I have selected over the years have done really, really well. So that's obviously a huge accomplishment personally. Overall, like I said, I've had my couple of losers, but overall it's been really good. And I would say outside of my specific investments, my biggest accomplishment overall has been the fact that When I graduated with my MBA in 2014, I had the option of, okay, I was working in an industry that had nothing to do with investing. I was in the insurance industry where I have been for, you know, since I graduated college, that has been my job or my, my career. But I always knew I wanted to go into investing and specifically, eventually I realized I wanted to teach investing. So in 2014, I had the option of, okay, now I can pursue jobs in investing, like an invest at an investment bank or you know, a financial institution, or I can kind of take some time off and see if I can work on my business mm-hmm. on grossing the money. So I was able to look at my investment account and say, oh, wow, like at that time I already had a, an apartment. I had like bills to pay. I lived on my own. So I had bills. Like I had things that I had to have money for, but mm-hmm. I, I felt comfortable enough with my investments and my savings that I was able to say, okay, I can take time off and work on my business with peace of mind. Most importantly, with peace of mind without saying like, oh my God, like I better make money in my business because otherwise I can't pay my bills or I can mm-hmm. pay my mortgage or I can pay my, you know, whatever my, my light bill. I was able to say, okay, if I have to go without an income for six months, a year or whatever, I can do that without having to worry that I have to rely on a paycheck. So that only, that peace of mind only came from my investments. Yes, obviously my savings too, because without savings, you cannot do anything. You have to have that foundation of having money saved. But if it wasn't because I have been investing my money for several years prior to doing that, I wouldn't have been able to just leave my job just with savings. So the fact that my investments have grown to the point that I was able to just walk away and work on my business, I would say that by far has been my biggest accomplishment, you know, related to that. That's awesome. I love it. And your business in itself is an investment, right? Um, Yes, that's um, true. You know, so you're investing in the stock market, you've diversified there, now you've diversified further into business. And then within your business, you have your books and your courses and everything that you do, which is really, really awesome. So congratulations. 
Thank you so much. Yeah, and it came with time. It came step by step. You know, I wasn't one of those people that like, oh, you know, I'm making all this money in my business. Now I can quit my job and just live off my millions of dollars. You know, that wasn't me. You know, I was like, okay. <laughs> but it's, <laughs> it's rarely like that, right? Exactly. It's, it's not. People yeah. Have started, people who have taken risks to start big mm-hmm. business, to build life-changing wealth. It's never that, oh, you know, a lot of people never had a million dollar buffer sitting there or mm-hmm. family money sitting there, or some of them didn't have even an emergency fund when they took their exactly. risk. Exactly. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. I thought I was saying you should do that, right? No, no, yeah. Calculated risk, right? So like yeah. you, you had your investments there, you mm-hmm. had your emergency savings, and then you decided to take a risk knowing that mm-hmm. I can always go back to work and I have a fallback plan. And so mm-hmm. you don't need to have enough that will give you peace of mind. Yes, absolutely. You need to take for what it is you're trying to do. A hundred percent. Exactly. There's no better way to put it exactly like that. So that's what happened to me. So definitely just have some like some type of cushion there. They're like, okay, because you never for those of you out there that want to start a business, you never, in my opinion, you never want to start a business, you know, with fear behind it. Like, oh, my God, if I don't make any money, I can't pay my bills. So like I better like, you know, figure this out ASAP. Like you kind of want to like take your time and like, be okay with like, you know, maybe not making anything at the beginning as you build your business. Eventually you will, but you know, having a cushion there will give you that peace of mind to like, you know, not having to like freak out about like, you know, having to make money overnight. Yes. So for someone who is a first time generation or first generation investor, I mean, Mm -hmm. what tips can you give them on becoming a successful investor based on your own personal experience? I would say educate yourself. First and foremost, I think that's so important, especially if you want to invest in stocks. Like when it comes to index funds and exchange traded funds like ETFs, which we can, I guess we can talk a little about that a little bit. Yeah. Those are Definitely. more cons- share. Okay. <laughs> so when you buy, like, for example, and let's say, for example, an SP 500 index fund or ETF, you're essentially buying, you know, a basket that has the 500 most important companies in the US stock market. So for an investment like that to go to zero, that would mean that every single major company in the U.S. economy has to go bankrupt. It means the world is over. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, exactly. We are done. We are finished. (laughs) We're probably not here anymore. Like everything. Throw away the stock market. (laughs) Exactly. Everybody. Yeah, everybody's gone. The world doesn't (laughs) exist. Exactly. It's like nearly impossible. (laughs) Exactly. For something like that to happen. Like that's why those investments are more conservative. And even though you still make money because because you're still investing in stocks in some way, like it's a basket of investments, they're more conservative. So in those cases, like it's easier to like just select some index funds or some ETFs and just have a foundation in your portfolio and just, you know, go, you know, flow with it. You know, it's going to go up and down with the markets, but it's probably never going to go to zero unless the world ends, like you said, Abola. Yeah. <laughs> so, but with individual stocks, it's a little, you're taking a little bit more risk because, because you're investing in individual companies. So if an individual stock, if the company goes bankrupt your investment goes to zero like that's very possible with individual stocks so in those cases i would say educate yourself first and foremost as you're taking those first steps like i said earlier find people that you can trust people that are credible that that you see like okay i can trust this person they they seem to know what they're doing or you know read some books on investing and just get educated in that sense and then start taking action I feel that unless you start taking those, those first steps, you're going to stay in the sidelines. Like, okay, you start educating yourself, but then you haven't opened an investment account. You haven't put any money in there. You might just stay on the sidelines because of fear. So the only way to overcome that fear besides understanding what you're doing and getting educated is by 
opening that account, putting a couple of hundred dollars on there, buying your first ETF or buying your first stock and just taking it from there. So I would say take it step by step, even if you have to take baby steps, but the only way to overcome that fear is to take action, especially if you are a beginner. But I cannot emphasize enough the getting educated part. Also, because like I mentioned earlier, there's so many scams, unfortunately, in the world of investing. And something that I noticed along the way over the years is that, especially minorities like us, sometimes or oftentimes our first introduction to the stock market is like, you know, penny stocks and like gambling your money away or trying to, you know, people telling you that you can make money overnight and that you're going to be rich of the stock market, you know, in over, you know, in a couple of months. And it doesn't work that way. That's not how real investing works. So you have to really understand that investing or the stock market is not a casino it's not like an overnight success type of thing. It's like you're building your wealth over the years. So that's why I feel that getting educated on how this really works is so important. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely agree. Thank you for sharing that. So as a first generation investor, how are you building wealth in a way that you get to enjoy it now, but now mm-hmm. change the narrative for your children and pass it forward in the future to your generations? So we're talking about generational so, wealth here. Yeah. You know, so I would say in terms of, you know, whether I get to enjoy life now, like I invest in things that I probably like one of my favorite things to do is travel or like experiences and things like that. I've never been big on buying expensive purses or expensive shoes or whatever, even though I have nothing against that. Like everybody has their own thing that they love doing and that's perfectly fine. For me personally, it's more about traveling and experiences. So that's a way that I invest my money today. Like, in terms of like enjoying my life now while still building generational wealth. And for, you know, my children coming up and going forward, I would say besides, you know, opening an investment account for them or making sure that they're good financially as much as I possibly can. I think like you said, Bola, earlier, I love what you said and I agree with you. It's more about teaching them how to do it on their own and how to like just transfer that knowledge to them. Like we didn't have that growing up, you know, I wish my parents would have told me about investing or stuff like that when I was you know, 13 or 14, when I had like a summer mm-hmm. job or whatever, but we wasn't exposed to that until later on in life. So I feel like leaving your kids with that knowledge, besides the money part, obviously you can do that. That's excellent. But if you can leave them with that knowledge of how to do these things on their own, how to be financially healthy, you know, all those personal finance things that maybe we didn't get exposed to growing up and then the investing part too, that's all part of also building generational wealth aside from just the money part. It's, you know, education can go a very long way because if you teach your children that, they're probably going to teach their children and that's going to end the pattern that we were talking about earlier about how, oh, it's okay if you have that. It's okay if you don't have you know, money every month or you're living paycheck to paycheck. No, like if you break that pattern, you're already building or starting the, the foundation to that generational wealth. Yes, so. I love that. And again, it's not always about passing money. It's about passing mm-hmm. knowledge, right? Exactly. Um, generational educational transition. <laughs> that's a word. Exactly. I love that. Yeah, that makes perfect <laughs> sense. Yes, exactly. Um, so. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much for sharing, Mabel. This has been thank so you. great. I was going to tell you to sh- ask you to share about your investing books. Oh, yeah. So um, if you look for me on Amazon, Mabel Nunez, I have, I was going to say three books. It's two in English, one in Spanish. So my first book is called Stock Market Investing, Mini Lessons for Beginners and Stock Analysis One-on-One. But if you put my name on Amazon, they should come up. And then there's the Spanish version of my first book that I translated last year, I think this year. 
and that's available as well for the Spanish speakers out there. And yeah, those two books. And I think I wanted to share one of my favorite investing books too is from Peter Lynch. It's called One Up on Wall Street. That's also a really great book specifically about investing. So yeah, just check those out and hopefully you love them too. Yeah, we will add your Amazon author page where they can Mm -hmm. find all the books you have written in the show notes. So yeah. Thank you. Yes. (laughs) You also have to tell us what is your Clever Girl superpower? (laughs) Oh, (laughs) well, in my humble opinion, one of my superpowers is that I'm a really good investor in my humble opinion, you know, maybe, you know, (laughs) based on, you know, what I've done over the years. And I will say educating people on the topic is also a superpower of mine. I didn't go to school to be a teacher. I have a finance degree, an MBA degree, all like technical, like, you know, math related degrees or whatever, if you want to call it that way. But over the years, like I have many students tell me like, oh, I love how you teach. Like everything is so clear. And I didn't learn that about myself until I started to do the work that I do now. Um, So I guess educating is also one of my superpowers, I would say. <laughs> I love this. I love this. <laughs> and then you. please tell everyone how to keep in touch with you, where they can learn more about what you have to offer, more about Girls on the Money. Okay, so I'm most active on Instagram. It's at Girls on the Money. And Bola, we discussed this before, like, beware of the scam pages. Yes. It's just Girls on the Money, no ones, no underscores, nothing. It's Girls on the Money. And then my website, girlsonthemoney.com. And if anybody wants to email me, it's just hello at girlsonthemoney.com. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. And we will have all that linked in the show notes. Thank you so Thank you. much, Mabel, for being here. Thank you, Bola. I had such a Sharing fun time. Gems. thank you thank you so much thank you have a great day hopefully I'll see you soon again yes thank you so much for tuning into this episode and I hope you enjoyed it if you've loved the episode but you don't yet subscribe to the podcast you can do that everywhere you listen to your podcast episodes and head on over to iTunes and leave a review so other amazing women just like you can find this podcast as well Thank you so much for being here and I'll talk to you on the next episode.